Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We will also be talking about the latest and final entry into the DCEU. This is the long-awaited cinematic debut of the Scarlet Speedster known as The Flash. All right, let's jump into some news. Netflix had their to dumb showcase to go over all the new properties coming up. It really is awful, truly despicable. But some cool things came out of there. I don't know if you were able to catch any of this, but the first images of the live action Avatar Last Airbender show. Saw those. You did see them? What'd you think? Yeah. Looks cool. Looks cool. I think so. I mean, definitely with like the Aang one, that was very comic uh, accurate to the show. It was like comic accurate, but I suppose there were also Avatar comics too. But um, yeah, so that that looked really good. Um, And then Katara, I thought also looked really good. I'm curious about, we didn't get to see much of Zuko's scar. Like we only, because he had the helmet on, so you couldn't see like how far it went to the side Mm. of his face. But it just wraps around the whole of his head. Like one of those really bad middle-aged men haircuts, the, the donut haircut. <laughs> yeah. Just goes all the way around. That'd the be cool. uh, Glenn Howardson cut in Blackberry. Yeah. You got to watch, watch that, that if you haven't seen it. I do it. need to watch it. He's so good in that. It's so good. Um, But yeah, so that is interesting. We also got an update on when it's going to come out. 2024. So not this year. And Shit. we don't know when exactly in 2024. But that's Fuck. pretty wild because they've been working on this for a while. And I mean... They're going to try and do all like three of those seasons. That kid is going to grow up very quickly. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to stretch it out to be like years rather than it was just like a few months in the show where everything went down. Yeah. Um, but all right. After that was the One Piece live action trailer. You are on the record as being against the One Piece adaptation. Yes. Very true. How come? Uh, Explain yourself. I know nothing about One Piece. Never seen One Piece. <laughs> I know it's about pirates, I would guess. Yes. Know nothing else besides that. I do know that it's over a thousand episodes long at this point, which means mm-hmm. it has a very dedicated fan base and a very detailed, lengthy story. These are all presumptions that I assume are correct. Yes. Beyond that, the first season of this live-action One Piece is eight fucking episodes. How the <laughs> fuck are they going to tell that much story in eight fucking episodes. No shot. There is absolutely no way. I haven't even seen the trailer. I've just seen like images from the trailer. Not only does it not look good, there is no shot, no way, that in any sense of the word, this is going to be remotely like well done. Right. Absolutely not. I mean... There's no way. Anime notoriously can include some lengthy filler arcs and filler episodes with one piece it being like over a thousand episodes i imagine there's quite a bit of filler arcs in there could but you imagine if there were none that would be crazy that'd be crazy what a show. wall-to-wall intense Plot, drama all yeah. the way through that'd be sick so yeah i doubt that but they're definitely going to try and condense things here and there but even then even then how are you going to approach it eight episodes at a time when again it covers like a thousand episodes and it's still ongoing the manga hasn't even finished the show hasn't even finished so what is netflix planning here they're just gonna have yet another ongoing never-ending one piece thing i mean i don't it would see be it cool happening. 
if the live action adaptation ended up being also a thousand episodes long. That I agree. Like we were talking about that the other day where I was like, yeah, if they just did the soap opera approach and they're just continuously like in production and they just release an episode every week, I think it would be pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, budget wise, that'll never pan out. And then yeah. we'll also have to see the reception of this first season if they'll ever be able to continue with it. But it's definitely a massive show. It's like one of the biggest animes of all time. Yeah. So we'll see how it gets received. I know Cowboy Bebop had their live action adaptation that did not go well. It got canceled after just one season. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if this will be able to break out of that mold. The, there was also a trailer for The Three Body Problem. Do you mm-hmm. know of this book? series i do not know the book series but i've seen still images from the trailer yet again did not actually watch the trailer <laughs> and what were looks your thoughts interesting the images i saw look interesting i know mm. nothing about the book series yeah it is being helmed by the creators of the game of thrones show david benioff and db weiss that i know so yes this is their next venture after finishing with game of thrones four years ago so that's pretty crazy. They need to, um, they need some time off from uh, <laughs> well, all the shit they got. Exactly. So this is going to be their great return. But yeah, I'm interested in it because it's like very well known and renowned as like one of the best sci-fi books ever. And it's from a Chinese author. It's three books. Like the second book is supposed to be even better. But I've heard a lot about like the three body problem, the book. And so I've always wanted to pick that up. And then now having this adaptation that will hopefully... Give me is it a, a show nice or a movie? Motivation to do it. It's a show, I believe. Ah, yeah. So they'll, of course, this first season. I imagine we'll cover the first book, and then they'll continue on with the others. Um, although I'm not sure how like dense those books are. Maybe it'll be a situation where they like have to have each book, um, and yeah, split it up into different seasons. But either way, I am intrigued by that project, and. At the least, it should get me to watch or to read the book rather. And I'll watch the show, see if they've been able to redeem themselves after their tragic handling of Game of Thrones at the end there. But yeah, good stuff. There. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was also some big releases. Black Mirror and Secret Invasion both released this past week. Black Mirror Season 6 and then Secret Invasion, the miniseries, part of the MCU, Nick Fury and a bunch of the Korean scrolls. So have you watched any of these episodes for those shows yet? No. Me neither. I'm probably not going to. But are you going to for any of them? Even definitely Black not Mirror, Secret even Invasion. Even the Aaron Paul episode? Dave, definitely not Secret Invasion. I will probably catch one or two of the Black Mirror episodes. I didn't watch any of the last season of Black Mirror because I heard it was all bad. Really? I'm hearing, I'm hearing mixed things about... Wait, no, I did watch one of the episodes from the last season. The last season, the one where the the guy holds the taxi driver hostage, is that from the last season? Yeah, that was the worst episode of that season. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't like that one. one. The other one was the Miley Cyrus one, and then the other one was Anthony um, Mackie. Exactly. Yeah. Him. I thought that was a pretty cool concept, actually. Him and Yaya Abdul Mateen, I think, was the other actor for that. I didn't watch either of those. Those I, I thought see... were more imaginative and better executed than that. I just really didn't like that one episode, but. Um, yeah, those were those three episodes. It was only three, and then I don't know how many are in six. This one, it was like I think six. Yeah, season six, and I think yeah, I think there was like at least five or six episodes. I'm interested in watching the one with Salma Hayek. 
I've heard about that one. That's the one that's been talked about the most. Joan is seems, uncle, right? Seems very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested yeah. in that. Other than that, it, yeah, that and the Aaron Paul one are the ones that are grabbing my attention right now. I'll probably watch a few of them based on like things I hear, but overall, probably not going to catch all of them. I just probably should start watching them. I, I've I've been in a weird space where like I have free time and uh, I don't really want to start a new show because I don't really have an interest in anything that's coming out right now or anything that I haven't seen yet. I don't really want to start an old show again because uh, I don't want to like be binging anything after I just, because I just finished Bojack Horseman again. I don't want to binge another old show yet again. And I don't really have time to watch a full movie. So I'm like, I'm looking for hour long things to watch. And I think Black Mirror would probably fit into that where I could just watch the hour of Black Mirror and not be committed to anything. So I probably should. A quick recommendation though, Jury Duty. Do you know of this? Oh, I do. I have been meaning to watch Jury Duty. You're right. You should watch that. I caught that like the other week. It's great. You're right. They're short, like 25-ish minute episodes. It's only eight episodes total, I think, too. So it'll be a quick breeze to get through. But that's a great show. For anyone that, like way back when, when we talked about the rehearsal, it's in that same sort of vein of like documentary reality TV thing. I love the rehearsal. It's so fun. The pitch being it's 12 jurors 11 actors there's only one juror that's like a real person and they just have a bunch of hijinks going on around them as they're sequestered for a week so a lot of great stuff in there um so yeah i would recommend that to you if you wanted to find something that's nice easy breezy i'm definitely gonna check that out for sure it's on amazon prime so anyone else who wants to check that out there you go we also had a couple trailers released craven the hunter with Aaron Taylor Johnson. Did you catch that one? No, I it did is not. Very bad. It's like, again, it's those 90s, early 2000s type superhero movie. It's kind of wild. But I love that. Well, it'll be great to. Uh, like the X Men ones? Like the on late X Men ones? I guess you could say that. The ones that are just very silly and stupid the i will spoil one single thing from the trailer which was that because i think you should watch it i think you get a kick out of it there is one cool shot though in there that deals with spiders but then how the man gets his powers he gets mauled by a lion and then we just see a shot of blood trickling down from the lion into an open wound on him and that apparently is supposed to give him beast powers or whatever it is that Sick. makes him whatever he's doing. So, the beast. yeah. So that I'm like, I can't believe we're going with that as like the origin thing. However, me and some friend was were talking about this the other day of it would be pretty amazing, though, if in order to tie it into the Sony Spider-Verse thing, because they're we still haven't seen what they're going to do when they're going to finally bring in Spider-Man to their Sony films. But yeah, if they revealed that the lion was one of the genetically modified animals that Oscorp has been working on, like those spiders, like in so the amazing, should... like just in general, like in the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. That'd be like sick. That, would, that would be interesting if they went that route. So we'll see if they do it. That's the only thing that would make me <laughs> accept the, idea of blood dripping down from a lion then makes craven like half or part lion or beast or whatever it is no clue what's going on there but it should be a fun memeable movie much like yeah. morbius was so for sure he's got that going for it 
Yep. Another trailer we got over the week was the trailer for Luca Guadagnino's Challengers starring Zendaya. Did you catch this one, Ryan? I did. I also watched this trailer. Ooh. Did you think it looked good? I think it looks interesting. It's. I thought the trailer revealed a lot, which was... I think it looks bad. I think <laughs> it doesn't don't. look like it's going to come together, though. But that's why I'm interested in I don't what like it is. It. it seems that it's juggling with a lot. Like, it is not a sports movie, but it's dealing with, like, some tennis thing. It seems like it's sort of a erotic thriller, but I don't know how yeah. far they're going to go with it and, like, how intense the thriller aspect of it is going to be. So, yeah, it was definitely not exactly what I was expecting going into it. I liked but I am con- still intrigued with it. I liked the concept when I initially read about it, and then when this trailer started going, I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And then every time the two guys appeared on screen, their dialogue was just, she likes me. No, she likes me. <laughs> and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm going to like it. I think it's going to be a no from me, dog. But will you see it? Will you catch it in theaters? Give it a chance. If I have time. If I have time. Yeah. It's not it's not grabbed my attention in any way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's now jump to the box office breakdown for June 16th to the 18th, where The Flash, the final film on my roster, debuted to a tragic, horrifying, abysmal, disappointing, 55 million. The Flash was on yours? Yeah. Why did I think the flash was on mine? Woohoo! Let's go! <laughs> Bro, I have been sad. I have been sad all fucking week. Oh my god, dude. I forgot it was on yours. Woohoo! You did say, yeah, yesterday I mentioned something about like the flash doing bad, and you were like, yeah, I can't believe it. And I was like, why are you upset about that? I'm the one that's. Dude, just... I really thought it was on my list. I completely forgot. I guess Aquaman's on mine, right? It is. That's crazy. Woohoo! <laughs> Get fucked, Ryan. You suck. I'm I back just... in the game. You are. I mean, this definitely Little Mermaid disappointing. And then this one just absolutely flopping. Like, Let's fucking go. Terribly hard. This is insane. I got a fucking chance. I have no clue how this could have happened. I mean, all the different factors playing into it. You would have thought at least it'd make more than Black Adam, right? I mean, nope. weeks ago, we were ta- or months ago, it was, oh, it could be 100 million opening. And now mm-hmm. it didn't even make black adams 67 million opening it didn't even beat transformers rise of the beasts 60 million dude fucking abysmal it barely got over shazam 2019's original debut of 53 million this has michael keaton in it they brought him back trash first time in almost 30 years and it only got 55 million you're trash They crazy. stretched it out too long, bro. They were waiting too long. People they also interest. hyped it so much. Like, yeah, we were dude. thinking it'd be, like, similar to Top Gun Maverick because they did the same formula of they sent it to CinemaCon, got great reviews there, had all these fan screenings. They had Tom Cruise and all these celebrities, Stephen King as well, all singing its praises. And then they got $55 million. Also, the reception, too, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has, like, 66 or 67%. Mm-hmm. Which is also, I mean, just so shocking considering all the hype that was going into it. Yeah. And the so many people right out the gate. So. so many people, granted, they were like Warner Bros. executives and stuff, but so many people were saying it was the best superhero movie they'd ever seen. And I was like, wow, the hype is real, I guess. Wow. People are really excited. Wow. Wrong. 
very wrong. I mean, this is just shocking. Indeed. And so soon after, I mean, the Ezra Miller factor has to play some part, although how big a part, who knows the DC brand being so just abysmal, like mm-hmm. their track record is not good. But then also the fact that people know, I'm not sure how much a general audience knows, but at least some people would probably know that they're going to reboot the whole thing anyway, because they've already announced like a whole new slate. So they already know that this may not end up being meaningful at all in the grand scheme of things. So why bother to see it? The whole thing of Across the Spider-Verse coming out two weeks before. So there's mm-hmm. another multiverse movie that people saw and adored, came out right before it. The overcrowded June month, like so many blockbusters yeah. back to back. Like Who all would these have things thought Across just... the Spider-Verse would be doing better than The Flash? I mean, insane. Truly insane. Insane. If you just said an animated movie, bro. Like back in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, like, oh, the sequel to the Into the Spider-Verse, that random animated Spider-Man film that Sony is releasing is gonna do over two times the opening of The Flash with Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. We would have laughed at that person. But now it's true. Yep. It's happened. It's crazy. So very upsetting for me Very. in my draft. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. The Flash. Sucks how to suck, it? man. Sucks <laughs> to suck. Coming in second was Pixar's Elemental with $29 million, which is technically the lowest Pixar opening. Boo. Yeah. Big the bump. original Toy Story, 1995, opens with $29 million as well. Elemental is slightly above it. However, Toy you Story opened on a Wednesday. So its first like three day weekend technically was its like third, fourth, fifth day of release. So had that released on a Friday, like Elemental did, Toy Story obviously would have been higher than it. So Elemental technically the lowest in Pixar's history in terms of an opening. So yeah, Pixar is struggling as well. After Light Years Bomb last time, which I got screwed over by, then now the flash screwing me over. Um, but yeah, Elemental not the big hit that it was supposed to be. And then also both of these not movies, great. The Flash, Elemental, $200 million budgets. That's crazy. Same with Transformers. $200 million dollars for before. Elemental? Like this is crazy stuff. Yes, it's insane. Hollywood's going to have to learn, bro. They're going to have to adjust and be like, we need to return to quality over quantity because it's just not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Quantity worked for a while, for a good three years. You know, you could pump out superhero movies, pump out four of them a year and you make a decent profit. And now you can't do that anymore. Very you guys think of it. The market is changing, gentlemen. It's time to <laughs> adjust. Indeed. Across the Spider-Verse, though, doing well with 27 million. That would have been ooh, a bad headline if Elemental stayed under Across that the Spider-Verse. That crazy. Third weekend. But yeah, there you go. Across the Spider-Verse, still hanging on, doing amazingly. Indeed. Transformers Rise of the Beast made 20 million. That is a 66% drop from the previous weekend. Very steep. Very steep the indeed. Li- the Little Mermaid with eleven million, rounding out the top five. Bummer. The Blackening with six million. Guardians three with five point two million. The Boogeyman with three point six million. Fast X two point two million. And in a limited release, Asteroid City has garnered eight hundred fifty three thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Now to do the box office predictions for some coming week, there are. No big blockbusters. They were taking one week off before Indiana Jones 
returns to the major release per week. However, we do have some new releases like No Hard Feelings, Asteroid mm. City is going to go wide. So there are some new things for people to watch. But the big question is, do you think The Flash in its second weekend will be able to retain the number one spot? Or will yeah. Elemental or Across the Spider-Verse or even No Hard Feelings, will they perhaps overtake it? I think The Flash will hold on, but like barely. I think it'll be like a margin of like three or four million between whatever comes in second between the ones you just said. I think The Flash will still make 25, 20 to 25 million next weekend or this upcoming weekend. God, I hope so. <laughs> God, I hope not, but but I think that's honestly what's going to happen. It'd be hilarious if it was worse. Like something like Transformers is drop or anything close to 70%. I mean, that would just be brutal and it'd be ha- it, it would disastrous. have to be the one you replace use your use your lifeline for yeah so we'll see i'm definitely hoping it makes over 20 million hopefully yeah, yeah something closer to 23 million but i don't know we'll see um for wouldn't no it feelings, be crazy wouldn't it be crazy if barbie had a better opening weekend than the flash it is in the realm of possibility i mean it's almost a certainty if the hype is real for it which it seems like it is, it'll beat out um, Oppenheimer and then probably, yeah, beat out The Flash for its opening. Get we'll fucked, see. Ryan. Be an interesting Get week. fucked. <laughs> how dare you? We'll Get see how fucked. it goes, but it is I'm going to win this whole thing with Barbie I mean, in my roster, with Indiana Jones. God, I'm getting confidence again. You will I not. Was... Calm down there, bucko. I'm we'll feeling. We'll see in, in two weeks when Indiana Jones also makes $55 million. We'll We'll have yeah, to we'll fucking see, reconsider right. that. But um, but yeah, no hard feelings. I think that can, you know, it's got Jennifer Lawrence, a very recognizable name. It's a throwback to like old school two thousands raunchy comedies. Yeah, I'm gonna try and go see it this weekend if I can. Um, but yeah, I think somewhere around fifteen million. Hopefully, it'll right. get that because we need a solid studio comedy to do well at the box office. So hopefully, this will be the one that does it. I agree. And then, what you think for Asteroid City? Your boy, Wes Anderson. 10 to 13 mil. Yeah, I think it's going to hover right around the double-digit yeah. mark. I don't know if it'll crack it, but it'll be, better. it'll be around there. Guys, go see more Wes Anderson movies. It's like <laughs> it's like the the it's like the it's the bare minimum barrier of entry for like artsy movies. It's like it's still, it's still very much accessible, but you could still call it artsy. So lean into your pretentious side and go see a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> Just lean in a little bit. Go see it. Support support small filmmakers they need it they need it now mid-budget filmmakers need your help exactly start the mid-budget movies are starting to disappear this is this is your chance it's your chance to save mid-budget movies go see no hard feelings and asteroid city this weekend fuck the flash fuck the flash (laughs) don't go see the flash speaking of which let's talk about the flash exactly there we go good (laughs) so we we do have to mention you know the obligatory disclaimer about ezra miller and stating that us watching and reviewing the movie is in no way an endorsement or support of ezra miller the actor we covered on the show the uh what do we call it the ezra miller escapades right yeah <laughs> so the crime spree and all the troubled behavior that was going on uh the past few years yeah we were covering all of that obviously nobody supports that like that stuff is crazy i believe there are cases pending so hopefully whatever justice is um, decided upon, hopefully that will be meted out. And then with the uh, mental health 
there have been statements that Ezra Miller is like getting mental health uh, help and assistance and has been for quite some time. So like, obviously we wish the best for that um, in the road to recovery there, but yeah, like in no way does anyone think like Ezra Miller should get off scot-free and be totally fine with this. There should be consequences for the things that had happened. And it seems like that is going to come to pass. But with this movie that was already shot before all of that stuff went down that had hundreds and hundreds of other people working on it, for me at least, I don't think we can write off the whole thing based on just the actions of that troubled individual. So we are going to be talking about The Flash and try and separate the real life circumstances from the movie itself and what was inside of it and what the characters were doing within it. With one notable exception, we will bring it up. There was one part where it was very hard to distance what we know about Ezra Miller in real life from what was happening in a particular scene. But yeah, this is about the movie, not about Ezra Miller. For anyone that you know didn't want to watch the film or support the film because they didn't want to in any way indirectly support Ezra Miller, we understand. But for us, we're going to just try and focus in on the movie for this review. Yes. So, let's However, do it. For my overall impressions, I would like to uh, tie a connection between the actions of Ezra Miller and the movie itself in that I think that they're both just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just, God, I did not enjoy, uh, let me, let me, let me say I did not enjoy it with an asterisk that I enjoyed bits of it. I enjoyed bits (laughs) and parts. If, if the whole thing was like one big line that I was looking at. Where where the red parts were parts I hated, and then the green parts were parts I liked. It would just be a red fucking line. <laughs> I, you like you couldn't you can't even see the green parts in there. Whoa, just one That's big crazy. red fucking line. Yeah, but but there are green moments. There are moments that were enjoyable. They were just very sparse. Let me just say that I had a very interesting viewing experience. I went this morning at eleven fifty a.m. to a theater that had maybe four other individuals in it. There was mm-hmm. a little green dot on the screen from a pixel glitching in the projector that was right. there the entire fucking time and drove me insane. On top of that, there was a very large gentleman sitting in the very back row who fell asleep a good 20 minutes in the movie and no. snored <laughs> louder than the action movie itself. During that the action dream. sequences, could hear him snoring for a good 30 or 45 minutes. It was maddening. And on top of that, at a certain point, I got so bored that when I checked my phone during the movie, I saw that I my, one of my managers at work needed needed me to call him, and I just left the theater and took the call, and then went back in and wish, watched the rest of the movie, and I missed nothing. That's crazy. We'll talk about the particular scene in a moment when we get to the Indeed. spoiler stuff. That's insane. In contrast to that, my overall impression is that Dylan, this is a five star movie. Bullshit. In another timeline. Yeah, it is. There is some other timeline where things were different. Ezra Miller is not the actor. The CGI is it's far Eric better Stoltz. in places. It's Eric Stoltz, yes. There's, um, and then the production nightmare that was happening with it also didn't happen. And there's a, uh, able to be a much more clear singular vision for this. Yeah. On another stream of like, spaghetti, this was a good movie. Exactly. I feel like that would have been a five star film. I still think it is good. I did like a lot of it, but it pains me to know that like there definitely is some other version of this film where the circumstances were right and everything fell into place. It would be a legitimately great movie. 
and there were strands of that in here that I could pick out. Um, so yeah, I think I overall enjoyed it far more than you did. You also had a very troubled viewing experience. I'm sorry uh, for that. Yeah, but beyond that, that there were so many flaws of the films. Again, again, there were moments that I enjoyed, and we'll get we'll get to those moments. But as a whole, that was like five percent of the movie that I enjoyed. That's maybe, crazy. Maybe 10, okay, ten percent, maybe. This is exciting. Then let us start diving into bits and pieces of it. So this is the spoiler warning. If you have not seen the Flash yet and you are concerned about getting spoiled for it, leave now. Go watch it and then come back to listen to our discussion. So, so. You said 95% of it was red. Maybe 90%. On that line. Maybe 90%. 90%. Okay. <laughs> we got 5% back, boys. We got it. So. Let's see how what, much you can whittle me down by, by the exactly. end of this. What were the worst parts of it? Let's just go through the things you hated the most. I would argue that it got better as it went along. Except for perhaps like the final like 10 minutes was I think also bad. But like as it went along, it got better and better, but was still never like good, like objectively good. The opening, in my opinion, was terrible. I thought it was so bad. <laughs> I thought everything from Barry's introduction all the way up until we meet, all the way up until second Barry gets his powers was just bad filmmaking and boring. Like I thought that entire 45 minutes was not good. Wow. Wow, I mean that is intense. So yeah. with the the opening sequence, with the action scene that we had Batfleck in there, we had uh, him running around trying to save those babies. So big thing that got has to get pointed out is the CGI in this. So looks so Batman looks horrible on that bike. Yeah. Oh my god. There's a there's a relatively medium shot of him talking on like a comm system while he's riding the bike and his lips are just barely moving. It I know that looks bad. So his bad. whole his the Batfleck costume looked atrocious in this. I don't know what just they were doing so with smooth. that. It looked just awful. Looked like the whole design of it as well. Yeah. So that was disappointing. The um what you think of though of the falling babies and that whole sequence Stupid. in concept would you like it or did you think just even so the, the flash can run fast right he can run yeah. fast how does that translate into him being able to run up the side of a building because he can run fast yeah i mean it's the same deal of them being able to run over water all right all right well no i would argue that those are two different properties of physics but all right what about I mean, what sure, about but it's saying he has enough momentum when he's running that he can just go against gravity when he's running up in the same way that he would be able to run against the surface. Let's say an object an object falling towards the ground at a great speed. How does him moving fast translating into him slowing down the speed at which they are the the velocity which they are approaching the ground. Right. Because he catches the babies. Like at the very end he's just grabbing the babies out of air and placing them on the table. In no way is their velocity slowing down. He's simply plucking them out of the air and setting them down. Where does Mm -hmm. that velocity go? No clue, brother. No fucking clue. There I you mean, go. It's not Stumps. scientifically sound for sure. However, again, this is a movie about a man who could just travel at this, this past the speed of light. So obviously, we have to suspend belief a little bit. I'm aware of that. But not only did it, not only was it cheesy, it it like looked bad. <laughs> it did not make sense, even within the context of how physics works in this fictional world, let alone how physics works in the real world. And it was played for laughs, and I did not 
laugh, which is always a bad sign. The only thing that I thought was good about the sequence was the bit where he looks at all the babies that are in danger and stops and then gets snacks. I thought that was good. Other than that, yeah. don't care about the whole thing. Right. The concept of him being the janitor for the Justice League is also interesting. Other than that, don't care. Right. I thought the concept of it was really good, of him having to use his powers in that way to save all these like innocent toddlers just plummeting down to the earth. But Bro, the, the cut the cut from Alfred going baby to him going shower and then having to catch them, bad. Yeah. Bad. That was not my favorite. But um I, I do think like the approach to it, the the execution where you obviously can't have like real babies doing anything like that. So they have these very clearly computer generated babies like that and the whole like yellow filter that they got going on for it as well it just makes it look bad but again the concept of it i think was really good because i like the idea of okay he's out there yeah like being the janitor but then here he has this moment to where he is the only one that can really save these babies like if it was batman there i don't know how he was going to be able to solve that problem um and he's saving innocence and he's having to use his powers and we see the way that it's working like he needs to fill up on calories in order to expend all that energy when he's running so i think it works conceptually but yeah it was just the execution of it unentertained looked ugly i am thoroughly unentertained by that whole sequence by the entire opening sequence yeah and then there the one thing you bring up though about like the the scientific stuff with it the one thing that i think does actually break the rules they had set in it because they say later on like oh you can't carry someone like through the speed force because then it'll like mess yeah. them up yeah, what the fuck does he but do he the whole goddamn he, time and that's why he's like doing all this random stuff of like he says i can move touching. a microwave but i can't move a baby and i'm like well you put the baby in the microwave yeah he's moving the microwave but he's not like interacting with the molecules of the actual baby itself but he did actually touch like two babies at one point unless he was supposed to be like touching the fabric on them but i'm like is that really where they're gonna draw a line there he definitely like moved two babies um where yeah, i call bullshit i call balonies so that part was also a little confusing. Um, I did think parts of the bat flag chase, the one thing on the motorcycle where he had to do that like hairpin turn and then the rocket yeah. boosters behind him were changing sure. in order to help him do that. I thought that was cool. What do you think? You're of, telling uh, me. You're telling me. What's up? I did not like that they're they're bulleting down the road towards school children, right? And yeah, Batman, I don't know. I was and Batman just that. throws down spikes and they go, wait. Forget the children. We can't hit those spikes. Let's I know. Turn the they corner. imply that they were just going to barrel over the kids walking across the street. But then when they saw that their tires would get slashed, if they did that, they were like, oh, we can't do that. Yeah, it made no sense. Because what if they still they could they could have just kept going <laughs> and then those kids would have been dead. So, like, yeah, yeah their tires are gone. A, but you didn't really bad, save like, the yeah, kids. What if they didn't see the spikes? Is that Batman's plan? Batman's plan was to slow them down. Right in front of the kids, but let them still hit the kids. It's a bad fucking plan. Yeah, that particular part was was not great. But no, it was not. Yeah, overall, I thought again, they, I liked more what of Batman what showing up in the car was. and beating the guys up, and then the guy just looks at him and jumps out of the car. I also that thought little, that was stupid. The comedic beat there. You're gonna jump out of a car going 80 miles an hour. I get the comedic beat, but it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I can see that it's hit or miss for 
that one, I suppose. Would you think of Wonder Woman showing up and then the I whole Lasso it. of Truth gag? I love seeing Gal Gadot. And I love the Lasso of Truth gag. At first, at first, Batman said like the joke about his ego, and I was like, God, the writing's really bad in this. They're just going to write lines like that for <laughs> Batman. It's pretty shitty. And then I saw he had the Lasso of Truth on. I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's funny now. Never mind. I had to like right. I had to like readjust and take it back, take back the dig I had. Yeah, I thought that I thought that was part cool. was really good. I like seeing them all together. Um, so yeah, that was nice. The whole flashback to the tragedy. I think well, I want to say I think it was awkward when the Flash says I understand the concept of sex, but I've never actually had it, and he's clearly like a thirty year old guy. <laughs> I, I think well, the delete that's part of the joke, wouldn't it be? Yeah, but. He's but definitely watching, like at this point, <laughs> he's thirty or something. But now I'm and watching so, the whole movie like this dude's a verge, like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah, I think I thought that was funny, and then the the beat afterwards of them just there in shame after revealing their insecurities. The chemistry like, between the so three of them was definitely there, which yeah. makes me sad that we never got a Justice League too. It reminded it reminded oh, well. me a lot of like the animated Justice League show in terms of like the banter that they have, which mm-hmm. was pleasant to see. A yeah. kernel of goodness in what was otherwise a terrible, terrible chunk of cinema yeah. that this opening sequence was. So the flashback to the tragedy where we see like young Barry and then them in the kitchen doing that whole thing. Yeah. You didn't like any of this? Now let's talk about chemistry because <laughs> the actors that played that family had none of it. Mm-hmm. They had zero chemistry whatsoever. And so I didn't give a shit if the mom died. I didn't give a fuck. She has not been set up in any way and in no way was she interacting with them in like a loving way that I would care about them. Nor did I care about the dad who is now a new actor from it's Ron Livingston now instead of Billy Crudup. And I've had very little interaction with him. And also he has zero chemistry with the rest of the family either. So why? Why would I care? Why would I care? I cared at the end when I got more interaction with the mom and I got to have Ezra Miller who did a surprisingly touching scene at the end with the mom like that was more connection than this scene with these actors who just right just i mean connect i don't think it was way. trying to get you obviously it's not going to be at that same emotional level as what happens in the climax yeah, but, but you even can, just the the setup here of like barry looking at like this passing young him run out and he's like listening to his father trying to, tell him to move on like i thought that was well constructed i agree with you though like the story-wise the it's there were not but if i'm if i'm watching a tw- if i'm watching this scene which is to set up the entire emotional through line of the entire fucking story and the characters do not have chemistry whatsoever i'm not going to care about the emotional through line of the story gotcha period didn't connect the uh conversation that happens shortly after he tries to like go back in time that first time was i thought really solid having the conversation with Affleck, yeah him talking with that was a very good one yeah Barry about what was going on there and he says specifically the line there's nothing bro- broken with you that needs to be fixed don't live in the past live your life don't let tragedy define you I was like nice yeah all those I think hit really well I love the fact that they lean into the parallels between Bruce and Barry mm-hmm. and you know the trauma that losing the parents had on them and how it forced them to like go into trying to fix a system yeah. like you said like doing their own way of fighting against crime so, so at first at first i was almost upset by the the scene previous to this because he gets really upset and he starts running really fast and then he ends up in the chrono bowl right and yeah. i thought at that point he would have been like oh i'm gonna go into the past and i thought like 
is the is the plot really going to be he just gets really angry and then finds this thing and then just immediately goes in the past to fix it because that would just be so hamstrung together but i liked including that scene with batman in between him discovering it and him deciding to actually go into the past where he can have that moral dilemma story-wise that works well yeah i wasn't compelled entirely by the conversation like i thought it was still a little weaker but it definitely worked as opposed to the rest of the movie which did not yeah. I thought it was quite strong and it definitely made me miss strong is as strong as a stretch that we never got a Batfleck film I, that does solo Ben sad, Affleck yes, film correct. is tragic I am sad that we did not get a Batfleck film but yeah no I thought again I thought the pathos and that was pretty good I mean it's him giving the like I thought it was solid but I think him. strong is a stretch I think it, it is intact and it works but I, it does it does not seem like like fully compelling to me it does not like motivate me to care as much as it could. Sure. I mean, that's fair. I would so, argue that it is not as good as it could have been. With nearly. the time traveling and the chrono bowl. Mm-hmm. So again, in concept, I think really cool idea where it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. With like a, like a circular, like little like ticker tacker that rolls through scenes in the past. I think mm-hmm. that looks really cool in theory. Yes. But then you put it together and it looks like dog shit. Right. Oh my God. Here's the thing though. It was definitely intentional. And I know like the director got because at one point he was saying like, oh yeah, some of the visual effects is supposed to look wonky. And everyone's like, oh wow, he's trying to defend the film. But it's like, obviously this was, this was the choice. Yes. He wanted them to to look like wax figures that you're pulling through in the story. Yes. Exactly. That was the choice. My thought was that it would have looked better if it was 2d images on like screens that are scrolling past. Mm. like he's scrolling through like a film like literally rewinding his life i think visually that would have been more appealing it would have looked like um like in across the spider-verse where they they have the like little like cut throughs where it like shows andrew garfield or like toby Maguire, but then like scrolling right. through different scenes like that i think that would have looked better visually however this is the way they probably went. but i think this way like this approach is more original it's just yeah, like in the execution sure. of it, it does just look ugly because they're the wax figures. So like they're bad. intentionally less authentic and less realistic. It's also renditions so, of the people. So it's so muddled. It's so hard to tell what's what is what. Right. That it looks like garbage. The contrast is not there. If you look at these movies, there's already not a lot of contrast in like the colors and the images. Mm-hmm. And then when you just layer scene on top of scene on top of scene in one image, like layered back to back to back, they just meld into one another and they can't stand out at all. And that looks bad. I think they could have done the wax figures had they made it like a more vibrant film so that each scene looks a little bit different. Like like in Across the Spider-Verse, scenes look different because they are changing the contrast and changing the color palette scene to scene to scene. But because this is live action and they want that more muted realistic tone like every superhero movie has had ever since the dark Knight, it's gonna look muddled as fuck when it gets together and then like little cgi flashes of color between them to try and distinguish that doesn't work right true but i mean yeah colors are always going to be more saturated and vibrant in any animation film compared to agreed any live action thing so agreed yeah but but when in doubt i feel like the move should have been oversaturate rather than desaturate Right. Just, I, to dis- just to distinguish. Yeah, I don't disagree. There could have been more done to help it look more visually appealing. Sure. 
without compromising the very original and fascinating idea that they had there of like, oh, make it yeah. like these wax-esque sort of figures. Um, but yeah. Oh, were... I wish we had more time spent with scrolling. Like just like the idea of him running forward and then running backwards to run it back and running forward to run it forward. Just like the idea of like these these layers just moving back and forth to just get more of an understanding of the concept of how it works. Mm-hmm. It was very brief and it was just like him scrolling through these scenes we had just seen. And at first I thought it was literally just like a really weird combination of everything we had seen so far. It took me a second to realize he was literally moving through time at the moment until right. he like put his, when he put his face through and was in the, in that situation. That's when I understood. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought it worked as a, a it worked like it worked explanation better. and it just being like purely visual. Like he didn't have to say at any point, like, Oh, yeah, this thank is God. how that works. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Um, so shortly after Although that, they, we have... they did that shit at the end. They did that shit at the end when his dad picks up the can from the top shelf. You're like, oh, wow, well, he switched the that. cans. And then he steps out of the court and he goes, so what happened? And he goes, well, the cans at the bottom or the cans at the top, the cans at the top or the cans at the bottom. And I was like, Jesus, you didn't have to say it. You didn't have to say it. I understood. Right. Uh, I understood. Yeah. God damn it. So shortly after that, we have Barry getting kicked out of the Incredible by some yes. flash monster. And then now he's in a time and place where his mom is alive. And so he's getting used to life. But then he's, he's buried to a much younger version of him, 18 years old, coming up through the the street. I thought this beat of him tackling him in the yard, I thought that was good. You not like that? Yeah, no, sure. There were a lot of good, like, funny moments. Like, the funny moments were better than most super movies I've seen in the last few right. years. That's what I'm thinking, too. Like, they, the comedy in this film was actually really solid. So, I like that. And it didn't feel like the every line is a quip or something that Marvel sort no. of leaned on. Like, yeah. they paced it out more, and they had, like, legitimate bits every now and then, but they would move on from it quickly and not overstay yeah. in that one thing. So, I like that Which a I lot. Did. For sure. Um, but then, <laughs> so what I referred to earlier, the one time that it was hard to separate Ezra Miller from the character of The Flash was when they were up in the bedroom and he was trying to figure out, how do I make this other Barry forget that I'd come here so it doesn't ruin the timeline? And then he's like, what if I drug you? And then he goes, hmm, how hard do I have to punch you to make you forget? Yeah, that was great. I was like, great. oh boy. I was like, this is maybe a little too natural for uh, Ezra Miller there. So He wasn't acting, am I right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that was rough. But I think that whole, I think the whole concept as well of an older version of Barry who's still like awkward and a little too talky, but who has matured and has gone through the trauma of like losing his mom and then now becoming a hero. And he's been that for a few years now, having to go back and visit his earlier self who's far more obnoxious and immature and doesn't have any powers and also didn't have that horrible incident happen to him where he was forced to sort of grow up from a very young age i think that concept that approach to the whole thing is so solid like it works so well i think that as the like underpinning of the entire film is its greatest strength i think it works i think i think it was all right until they swapped powers then it got a lot better just because i feel like i feel like just Trying to make the, the time travel of it all make sense in that moment. <laughs> of like, I need to give you powers so that I can go back and so that I will have the powers to be able to go back in time to save my mom. But if he has the powers, but his mom's already saved, he won't have to go back in time in the first place. 
Like he's trying to save himself from a paradox, but no matter what, it's a paradox. Right. It's the grandfather paradox. Which this will happen in any time travel movie ever. So and they even call it out multiple times. Like they mentioned the butterfly effect, they mentioned causal loops and stuff like that, like the paradoxes. So like yeah, that's always inevitably gonna happen at some point. Like same deal with oh, you're watching a superhero film, so he can run faster than speed of light, so you're gonna have to suspend yeah. a lot of belief there. Same thing with time travel, you're just gonna be like, Time travel isn't this a thing one, that ever can actually happen and it this will one, never though, truly make sense. So you just gotta be like, let's go with it. Just go. No, nah, no, nah, but the problem is this one spends like not a lot of time thinking about how it should work, but a lot of time trying to explain to you how it works, which doesn't match up. Like if you look at Back to the Future, they spend very little time actually talking about like how him traveling back to the they have like one scene where Doc Brown draws on the whiteboard and draws like a line and then a line branching off the line. And then mm-hmm. that's it. And then the rest of the movie's goofy antics for Michael J. Fox. Because they didn't want to think about it and they didn't want you to think about it. And then there's right. things like Dark with the German show on Netflix where all they do is talk about the paradoxes that come from having to go back in time and like like fate and destiny. And like that's the concept of the show. And it's because they really thought it out really, really well. And this one's in a weird middle spot where like they didn't talk about it that much, but they talked about it probably more than they should have considering that they didn't think about it that much. I feel like if they cut back a little bit on like the the it wasn't terrible. They didn't spend that much time on it, but it was just a little too much for me. It was just like, it made me think about it more than I wanted to think about it. And I was like, I just wish I could just have fun and not have to worry about the actual consequences of this time traveling because it's not lining up, especially towards the end with like the third flash. I was like, I don't understand how this is. <laughs> I don't understand how this is getting to where it's getting to or what's happening anymore. It's Great. it's getting very muddled. I mean, yeah, I can see that. For me, again, I was just like, with any time travel movie ever, I'm always of the opinion. I'm like, it never works. It simply, fundamentally, like dark works. Did you watch Dark? Happen. I have not seen that, so I've heard dark a lot. Um, Carlos because Arrasal, they thought about it. Been on the show before. So he loves that show. He swears by it it's so much. It's Really good. I haven't seen the final so, season yet, but it's really, really good. I'm gonna see that at some point. But yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. You know so what? That's what I'm gonna rewatch. That can convince. I pick, me. I pick the next show I'm gonna rewatch. It's gonna be Dark. Oh God! So that I can finish it. I never finished season three. That's true. So, yeah, technically, you gotta just watch a whole new season. So, yeah, that'll, that'll be a good choice for you. But yeah, so for me, I'm just always like, it's always broken. Time travel just doesn't work ever. So I'm not too concerned yeah. about it for the most part. But I just I wish they had about talked it. about it less and like the plot weighed less upon it. I right. Suppose. Well, but I mean, it it is fundamentally like a time travel thing. So, and I don't think they talked about it too much. It was just like, oh. Like, I can't go back in time if you don't have powers because you're me, but a younger version of me. So, therefore, but he can't go back in time. So There's no it. reason just to like, go back in time anyway because his mom's already alive. Understood. But it's the same thing like the, the causal But paradox. also, the That's whole thing happen, is, but it's like you still need nullified. to just do that action. The whole thing is nullified anyway because he's no longer on the branch. Like, Ben Aff or Michael Keaton goes on this already. He says, You're not branching off. You are creating a new branch. Like, you're, you're splitting off into a new timeline, past and present. So, it doesn't right. even matter. If he has powers or not, he's not going to get back to the reality that he was previously in. Right. That was the part that I was wondering about and then talk, like, try to parse out after the movie because they were trying to tie together, like, timelines and multiverses. They're trying to, to, and that I think was the bridge too far. I think that one was the one where it's like, hmm. I would also wanted to have 
the past. They wanted to be like, oh, the past can change too. Because they wanted so, to get rid of Aquaman and they wanted to incorporate Michael Keaton. They were really exactly. trying to write around that whole. So they were like, life. how can we explain yeah. that? Like, how do we make time travel in our film here make sense to where the past changes and we have a whole new Batman so we can get Michael Keaton into it? Um, so that was the part where I was like, mm-hmm. I think the problem is when Barry's explaining it to other Barry is that it makes just enough sense to where the part that didn't make sense makes me angry. Whereas when <laughs> Michael Keaton's talking, it makes zero sense at all. So I could just disregard <laughs> it and have fun. Gotcha. That's that's my issues. If you're going to try and make it work, either go all the way or don't do it at all. Just make some random bullshit about spaghetti. But again, they needed to in that moment, they just need to be like, Oh, I'm worried. But he even said, he said, like, I don't even know if this will work or if it is necessary. But he's like, let me just for safety get you to get the powers to cover all the bases. So he even was like working through that moment of like panic attacking and being like, uh, I don't know how this all goes, but let's try and. I think it would have been funnier. I think it would have been funnier as a plot point if he goes, you know what? I don't think it's going to be a problem. You're just not going to have powers. We're different berries. And then the other Barry's like, no, I want powers. Then he runs off and tries to get them and like breaks into the lab. I think that would have been funnier. Mm, I disagree because I think a lot of the. But then that would have branched into like the concept of like him trying to like a get his powers back. But then also like, I don't know. I just I feel like the plot point of like we need to give this one Barry powers and then take Barry's away from the powers from the other Barry and then give them back in the end. And then we're just going to write around it. Seems like lazy writing. I thought the choice to have the powers flip so like, a older Barry loses it and younger Barry gets it. I think that's a great idea. It is a good idea. idea. So it I is thought, a good idea. But the problem yeah. is they had a good idea and then they did lazy writing around it to explain it. Which part? Him getting it back later on or this part here where they had to... The reason why the... they have to give him his powers. Be like, hey, you're Barry. You do not, you're not going to get your powers in this alternate universe, but we need to give it to you, give them to you. Again, right. the idea of him getting powers and original Barry losing them is good. But the reason why they have to do that is bad. It's literally just just cause. It's just cause. It's not just cause. It's because it Barry's cause. concerned about messing up the timeline and he doesn't know if it, the paradox that he's creating will be able to work if that Barry doesn't get powers. Like if that Barry loses out on the powers, will that disrupt everything? And then Dude, he's he already erased. messed it up. It's just him going like, oh, here's like all the general knowledge I know from time travel stuff from like Back to the Future and all these other uh, media that have covered it. And so he's like, oh, what's the thing that you do? When you're in this situation, you go and make sure that the person does what they need to do in order to create the time machine or in order to get the powers that allow you to go back in time. So I think it works well enough. But I mean, yeah, it was just a thing where they're like, we do need to get this puppy to happen. How can we do it? I think Barry worrying over creating a paradox and not being able to like have his powers to I do this in the first place. I think that makes enough sense. I think I could have forgiven for it more. Character if they leaned more into back to the future bits, I think if they like, if they like did a scene where Barry has to like run at a cable and like catch it because of electricity running down the wire, (laughs) I think I could have forgiven lazy writing for like, for like, like mocking that idea. I think it would have been funny. Gotcha. Because I think the Eric Stoltz bits is actually really funny. I think so too. And then the guy who has a tattoo on his leg of Eric Stoltz in back to the future, but it's upside down on his calf is really fucking funny. Why the fuck is it upside down? He has to pick his leg up like that to show it off. That is really good. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good too. Um, but yeah, that that whole bit, Eric Stoltz, I thought was great. And then this whole thing of like Barry one and two, them trying to get the powers. And Michael Barry J. One... Fox? You mean from Footloose? No, that's Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's in Top Gun. 
Yeah, that that whole bit was great. That whole mandala effect thing is very funny. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, the um him discovering that he's slow, like him trying to phase through the wall and then him having to run around in the circle there. I thought that was also pretty great. So yeah, all that stuff, I think it did work. Like surprisingly, I thought the first hour, like before we even get to the Michael Keaton stuff, I thought it was really solid. With Michael Keaton, though, when we have him enter the scene, what do you think about that? His triumphant return. Love it. Michael Keaton killed it. Start to finish. Love the whole thing. I have Agreed. no complaints about Michael Keaton or any of his Batman stuff whatsoever. Yeah. He is. Except the fact fantastic. that he fucking died in the end. <laughs> I know. I was I was like. At first, his death they bring was just, him back. Bro, at first, his death was just flying the plane into the ship. And I was like, that's it? They're just going to leave it like that? I had the it's same. Michael Keaton. I was, I was like, like did we literally? Fuck? I was like, we got, that's it? Like, that, he just kamikaze and then they, and, and, and that's then they it? gave him, like, the touching death of being like, you already brought me back and then died. And I was like, all right, I'll give it to you. I thought that was an effective thing. I was thinking about it, too, because it's like, I mean, if there's any time that you're going to play around with someone dying, it'll be in a separate timeline where things don't even really matter. And it's not even really a continuation of his story anyhow. Like see, my, uh, world, see my Justice League. See my Justice League pitch where the the final three <laughs> movies was killing every fucking exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, okay, it can work for that, but I still I wasn't too fond of seeing them go out. But I think it did make sense, and the the lines that they gave him at the end, which we'll get to when we talk about that whole final battle, I thought was really effective. But yeah, him, his fight in the kitchen, I thought that was. Really fun, really yeah. well done. I, I wish I'm still upset because I was watching and I was like, it would have been super cool to watch this and not know Michael Keaton was going to be in it. I was if thinking the same had, thing. If they like hadn't put him in the trailer, I would have been hyped as fuck at 11.50 in the theater <laughs> with nobody else there. I would have been like, oh my God, what the fuck is Michael Keaton doing there? What the fuck is going on? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then For I would, sure. I probably would have ended up liking the movie more. But I knew going into it that Michael Keaton was going to be in it and he's going to be a big part of it. And they didn't let me down, but they didn't like exceed my expectations. They just met them. Yeah. Met them all very the, well, but met them. All those major surprises of like Michael Keaton and then it being Supergirl instead of Superman, like in the movie, they're definitely played up of like, oh, you don't know this, but clearly with the marketing, like everyone going Which into I this. Which I fucking hate. It's absolutely like the knows. is to make it a surprise in God. It's like, it's like, you know, everybody knows the stupid, the, the fucking thing that Hitchcock says about surprise versus suspense, right? Yeah. And it's like it's it's supposed to be a surprise and it's played as a surprise which we know is not as effective as suspense in the first place but if we already know what the surprise is it's not if, if it's not impactful at all very true so, like, surprise is worth worse than suspense but a spoiled surprise is worse than any surprise at all so what the fuck is the point yeah it's unfortunate it's one of those things that like 20 30 years from now whoever is watching the flash for the first time and hopefully they've watched through the original batman films they'll be totally shocked to see that but anyone in our day and age who's going to see this in theaters i mean yeah there's no way you could possibly not know michael keaton is that batman but as you said i think it he absolutely delivered it was great seeing him back in the suit hearing that score again hearing him say all the old lines yeah i'm batman it's great, even though we've seen it a million times in the trailers already. I enjoyed it. And they definitely allow him to do more 
with the action and we've gotten to see him anytime before. So whoever the stunt double was that was in the suit during that fight in Russia, mm-hmm. shout out to them for letting us yeah. see a Keaton's version of Batman go ahead. I wish we got to see more like I don't know. We we do get uh I'm I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with my I have no complaints. <laughs> I'm gonna take it back. Yeah. The um there's one thing though that I was like, why did they do it this way? With the Electra when they try and give Barry one his powers again. Mm-hmm. And so they set up this whole thing to bring lightning down on him and have all the chemicals. So just to recreate the way that he got his powers in the first place. They have him say a line where he's like, no, I think this is insane actually. And then they go and he's about to pull the lever. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to do the whole, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts moment. That could have fit there. It makes no sense where they actually had it, where they're just asking him, Hey, want to like come with us and, join the justice league and he goes you want to get nuts let's get nuts like imagine being on the receiving end of that as the two berries and supergirl and you have no idea why this man just said yes like that i you want to get nuts let's get nuts i wish they had not included the line at all i mean i agree that was definitely like just a it was just a just fan fan service stuff in there but if they were gonna do it at least it worked into where he legitimately would have said something like oh look i mean you want to get nuts but let's get nuts like that yeah. works instead of just saying, "Oh, I think this is insane," but I'm gonna do it anyway. Like, I just love the implication had... that this is like a phrase that Bruce Wayne uses very often. <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna use it twice in the times we've seen him in cinematic history. It's like it's just like one of his go-to phrases. <laughs> exactly. He's at like a restaurant, and they're like serving him <laughs> serving him pasta. And like, would you like some cheese, sir? You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. He's at a ball That's game. There, there's someone going around handing out peanuts. Hey, hey, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah. It's funny that that's one of those lines that have just blown up. Yeah. When I watched the movie, the very first time, the original Batman movie, I thought that line was really funny and good and didn't realize that that was like one of, probably the most iconic line from the movies. I'm saying, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Until I watched the SNL skit of the... It was a Charlie Brown parody, but it was like adult actors playing Charlie Brown characters. And then they did a bunch of impressions of characters. And one of them was Michael Keaton. And his entire thing is he smashes something and says, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And I was like, what an obscure reference. And then I realized people just really like that quote from the Batman. Movie. Apparently, what when was that episode of SNL? Oh, it was Taron Killam who did the impression. So probably like 2000, it was probably like 2012 or 2013. To make yeah, that sure. reference is kind of crazy in For that real. time period. I was like, what a deep cut. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, overall, him being back, so nice, so satisfying. Love to see it. Yeah. With Supergirl, them having her come in instead of Superman, like, again, it, within cool. the story, that's cool a cool concept. reveal to have. But, yeah, it was already very well spoiled for everyone seeing it. Yep. But I think, like, Sasha Cali is the name of uh, the actress who's playing Supergirl. I think she did good in this role, but there was also just not much for her to do at this point in the story. Like, it's towards the very end. And then I also thought she was disserviced by, you were talking about lazy writing. I think this was the moment where, I mean, that was most clear, is she she left 
just because yeah. we needed to have some sort of drama there of like her not yeah. joining the team right maybe away. she won't do it yeah yeah so she leaves Which to was go dumb. look at zod and then she runs back and, and but it's like what was her plan anyway was there ever going to be an instance where she doesn't yeah. fight zod what there she should have do? been a Delete. scene where she where she thinks about joining zod and then zod says some shit but then that wouldn't make sense later. Maybe Zod like tries to convince her with words of like, hey, you have this stuff in your body. Let us take it out of you and we will use it to destroy this world and create a new Krypton. And she's like, wait, that's not what I thought you were meant. This is bad. War is bad. We are hope. And then like flies away. That would make right. more sense. But yeah, they also from Krypton that Zod was a, a bad guy. Yeah, but that's why not the she point. And were sent away. But uh, yeah, I, there would have so. been like there being some further interaction between like her and Zod or something that would make her just something like there. have an actual she had no change she would, saw him kill one guy and was like <gasps> I know I like, but again like at the point it's do? like you already know Zod is horrible why did you go like scout him out what did you think you're gonna find other than yeah, yeah him like terrorizing these people so her character yeah, that was had little to no arc or anything it's true but it's they bad. did the same exact thing with Batman too though where he was like for the longest time saying like oh i won't be a part of this but i'll help out just this one time with russia or i'll help out this other time i'm like what else are you doing number one and number two you've been told that this is some alien coming into terraform earth like you're one of the only heroes here like why wouldn't you try and stop it like you're just gonna sit yeah. back and let it get destroyed so it's like just he chilling. also had no reason not to join right away but the script needed him to not like join the team right away because we need drama take it superman and him. then that'll be it then exactly. I'm out. it's like just because Gotham is now the safest city on Earth, you've retired, Batman. They should have given him more of a reason to give up. Maybe really? he had a Robin that died or something. That would have been cool. Yeah, I would have liked something more there. But something. Again, these were like serviceable things, but it was very clear at those points where it's like, okay, we're just doing this because we need to. We know the writers know that we can't make it too easy of her just joining. But yeah. they didn't know how else to create genuine conflict there. You know what? Hang on. I want to. I want to rewind for a second, way back to the beginning. Well, something oh that I really didn't like that I forgot to mention. When Barry goes to his offices, the people that are there that are supposed to be his friends are fucking dicks. Are they, they are. his friends? Or are they the just point, assholes? Though, isn't that they're friends? Like they're clearly not actually friends. Yeah, but but what the? It, it it was just like it was. I don't know if it was bad acting or bad writing, but I was like, I don't understand the point of their roles at all. They served no purpose in either of the scenes they were in right it would have sufficed I, just to have the boss and then he walks outside and runs into iris they served zero purpose in the script you could have right. cut them out and nothing would have happened yeah no I think jokes one, would have been sacrificed no story beats would have been sacrificed it was part of a gag though because the girl she shows up as like later in barry two's world she's like the one that gets up from the bed and starts throwing the thing right wasn't that her I don't know. So it's actually. just showing like an alternate version it of her where she's just a slob with like all these no life people in the apartment. I suppose. So I think that was part of it. And then I agree, like they could have left them out, but they were trying to include someone like other people that were getting down on Barry for him being so careful and slow and meticulous with examining like the forensic stuff. So they just wanted to get that across. Of, again, he doesn't trust like the criminal justice system doing things very quickly with forensics because it screwed over his dad. So that's what they were trying to get across with those characters. But I agree, they were definitely not that compelling in the slightest. Um, yeah, those scenes didn't work quite so well. But I can see the intention behind them, what they were trying to do. With the final battle in the desert, 
we get to see Zod, we see him taking on some army, and then our peeps roll in. Yep. So the CGI here definitely was trash. Right. There's no explanation for it. You can't say like, oh, it was a creative decision with like the wax figures and the Chrono Bowl and it being it distorted because it's not like real life and it's like leaning back in the past. It was just straight up not good, which was very unfortunate. However, there yeah. were some interesting things in here. I think when they have the two berries like running around and then they meet up and like touch heels and then boost off of each other. Mm-hmm. I think things like that were sure. interesting and like did have a good vision to the action and made things compelling. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it was just so muddled. It did feel I saw somebody and commented that it felt like a transition from cinematics to gameplay in video games at one point. Mm-hmm. And it was brutal because it was very true. Like a lot of it did just feel like these computer generated models just Dude, running around in some there was space. so much fucking wonders where they just didn't cut and the camera was making wild camera like cgi camera moves because it was all cgi and i was like is it a creative decision to do this as a wonder or are you just too lazy to cut is it just easier to animate if it's just one thing mm, i would know about that i would imagine doing wonders even in animation is incredibly taxing so yeah but it looks fucking bad <laughs> Every time they fucking did right. like the the fight that Batman and Supergirl have with the people in Russia was like yeah was that, set up to be a good fight and then it was all just one big wonder and it looked really bad very true and like because it would have yeah, it would have been have much better have with cuts CGI models doing all this stuff and it's just so apparent that that's what it is so it loses any of the visceral yeah. impact also, of real a, action scenes there's a thing Guillermo del Toro said when he was making Pacific Rim that if you take the camera and you make it do unrealistic movements, it takes people out of it instantly. And they don't know why they're being taken out of the scene, but that's the reason. And so if you watch Pacific Rim, the first one, everything in that is like a realistic camera move where like it's as if the camera is real, really filming these real things. And then you watch Pacific Rim 2 and it's doing these ridiculous movements where the camera is zooming across cities to these giant figures and it just looks dumb. And it's true. It's just like... Like, what the fuck? Like, just make the camera. If if everything in the scene is going to be fake, and everything's going to be CGI, and everything's going to be a computer, at least make what the camera does real so that it feels real. Yeah. And if you're going to have the camera do a one-er, make it look like a realistic camera one-er. Or just don't do a one-er at all. That's my gotcha. opinion. <laughs> if you're well going to do an all-CGI scene, make me believe that some of it wasn't. True, true. Otherwise, With, uh, I'm just watching a really bad animated movie from like the 2000s. At that point, yeah. I'd rather just watch it Across the Spider-Verse, which is animated. And which also has realistic camera movements. So it just makes it look better. Yeah, but not all the time. I mean, there are moments not where it time, does but, do but still, you know the I mean. crazy CGI stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I see the point there for sure. It, again, lessens the impact of everything that's happening there. We aren't as plugged into it. We don't feel any of the tension there, so... Yeah, it ultimately works against what they're trying to do, which is invoke that emotional response in the audience. Yeah. So not great. Again, like what we talked about before of the whole kamikaze thing of Batman just plunging into it, the way all that happened was yeah, not at all hitting the marks that it felt like it should have been. But then yeah. they did later on give him that moment where it's more one-to-one and personal, where he's dying and having those final words. Although I dislike that they didn't, run it back at least one more time so that that would have been the third time it happened they missed out on the rule of threes there like it happens once he does the kamikaze they go back fix it 
and then he dies the second time and then Barry's like that's it like we can't fix it and I was like really you you tried one time and it didn't work and now you're certain that it'll never work again so that was I was a little not buying that part of how he just very quickly accepted that yeah this world is inevitably gonna die and Batman and Superman Supergirl can't be saved yeah but I did think Batman's final words there specifically when he says not this time some other time which echoes the very last phrases Ben Affleck's Batman said when he was just talking about like oh let's get a bite sometime but him saying that I think is a brilliant piece of writing that came through here because it a rec- rem- uh, reminded him of Batflick, so that other timeline of this other Batman that he was attached to. And so there is still some of that like similarity, right? Like they were saying there's these intersections. Every Batman had an Alfred. And there's like same parts of Batman's story of losing his parents. So this is that element of him saying this exact phrase shows that there's that commonality between these Batman, but this isn't exactly his Batman. There is another one that he could go yeah. to and could have that lunch with because he wouldn't be dead because things would be different in that timeline as opposed to this one. So I love that they had that being a reminder. And then it also is something he echoes later on to Barry too, where he says like our mother will always be alive in some time, some point in time, like not hours. That but, one I liked. Yeah. That one I liked. I'm not hundred percent of the Batman one. It well, just felt, but I like both I'm of them. Sorry, I think they were effective. The Batman one just felt like like hacky time travel shit that everybody says. It's like <laughs> it's like in community when they have the Doctor Who ripoff Inspector Space Time where he's like, it's not where we are, it's when we are. <laughs> it's shit like that where it's just like, ooh, you're making a time pun. I don't That's really true. care. But, but I reason, like I like when Barry says she's still alive in another time. I think that's nice. And like that's his acceptance of letting her death, like accepting exactly. her death. It's a sweet I message. like that one. But that's built off of this one because this has the double meaning. Like it is it's the Batman calling back to the Batman he actually knows, Batfleck. But then it is also one of those like sayings about time where it could be interpreted in like oh not this time but some other timeline if you But if you cut out together. Batman's line, the Flash's line still works. I agree, but I think it's made even more effective I because disagree. it has this double meaning. Like it gives him the idea of in some other time, my mother will be fine. But then it's also reminding him of the Batman that he does know and does have a connection with and could make sure is alive if he went back and, you know, fixed things. Because that would be the some other time, right? Is the timeline he was already in. He just nah, needs it's to too accept that that's the best it's, 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 it's too not. It's, a, it's too much of a gag. So they didn't do the thing gag. like bringing in when they had the mom's voice come in which i think is fine by the way um but her echoing the lines of oh like not every problem has a solution like they didn't do that with this one they didn't we didn't have a flashback to ben affleck saying that same line it was just michael keaton saying it and then if you pick up and remember on that great and then it can have that double meaning or if not it still has the central meaning of oh in some other time as you said like it's just being one of those quotes about time so I think it worked no. on multiple levels, and it's from that that no. it, for me, was extremely effective. It's just a time travel gag. It is, but it has that other component, too. That's what no. I'm saying. It has the Batman parallel. No. So it works both ways. Oh, my gosh. It's just a time travel gag. You're just nitpicking this movie, man. You just no. had a bad experience. You went in the morning. You were grumpy. No. It's just a time travel gag. <laughs> That's all it is, a time travel gag. So... Yeah, we uh, get Barry versus Barry versus Barry, the mm. Flash monster, in the uh, the Chrono Bowl when he's finally deciding, like, hey, we can't keep doing this. 
This is where shit went off the rails, and I was just bored again. I was like, "This none of this go off. None of this makes sense." And I don't like. I liked when he said, "Our mom has passed away in some other time," and I liked that. Like he was learning to accept it, and the young Barry was freaking out about it. I liked all that, and then future Barry came out of nowhere and just had a bunch of random shit to talk about, and then all the other worlds started showing up, and I was like, "This is all fucking way (laughs) too fucking messy." You got you. You went way beyond the scope of what was actually like defined in your definition of time travel. Like this is this is a mess. This is this has turned into a, a giant plate of spaghetti that I do not want to eat. <laughs> well, that's what they were saying. If you mess with time too much, which is what the you mess with time too much turned into an incomprehensible movie. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So that was the bowl of spaghetti that came around. So we have all those else worlds, different universes crashing in on. This the one. end of the movie should have been the movie stops and it cuts to the writer's room and they're like, guys, we just, and it's like the, the whiteboard is just filled with a bunch of random lines and crap. I'm like, we don't know where this is fucking going. We don't know mm-hmm. what this is doing. We should just stop writing time travel movies. And then they all quit <laughs> and the movie ends and there is no Flash anymore and there is no Justice League anymore. And just like that, James Gunn walks into the room and he says, I've got a new idea. And he flips the whiteboard over and there's just one straight line. And it's just a, a perfect <laughs> linear timeline of the slate and that's the end of the movie except the problem is james gunn's not going to do that which we'll talk about in the post-credit thing but yeah this whole thing here where we just got cameos um of different versions of some of these characters so we had christopher reeve show up and then helen Mm -hmm. slater as well as supergirl we got nicholas cage for his that that was fucking ridiculous (laughs) Um, having nicholas cage show up was fucking ridiculous i hated it I fucking hated it. Why'd you imagine? Hate it so much? Because imagine not knowing that Nicolas Cage was supposed to play Superman in, instead of Brandon Ruth. Imagine not knowing that fact, mm-hmm. and you just see a Superman with Nicolas Cage's face on it. Imagine seeing that and not knowing that fact. Imagine right. being that person, which has to be at least two thirds of the moviegoers of this movie. <laughs> at oh, least. absolutely, I would say. All of them are going to say, why the fuck is Nicolas Cage there? Why are they featuring him so prominently? A certain amount of levels, because here they're just showing. So if you don't recognize all of them, it's still like the idea of, oh, they're just other versions. But if you know, you know. But with this one, yeah, there's definitely the portion of people that know the background of like why Nick Cage playing Superman is funny here. But then there's also people that would just recognize Nick Cage and be like, oh, it's funny that he's playing Superman like you would never imagine that. And then there's people that would not know who Nick Cage is really, and then just be like, "Oh, no, right? It's just a different stupid. version of Superman. It's just I mean, stupid." I don't disagree. I'm just saying it's them just throwing it in there because, like, oh, here'd be a fun thing to play around with since we can have different versions of Superman. Which is yeah, a fun thing to play, to play around with, like around maybe in the middle of the movie with like a real version of Nicolas Cage. Not like at the climax of the movie, you throw in CGI Nicolas Cage. It's not even the well, real that's the other. Guy. That's, I think, the main issue with this. I don't really have a problem if they had just, like, showed the real footage of them putting Nick Cage in a freaking uh, Superman costume. Or if they I would just have been played less a clip offended. from any one of the first four Superman films with Christopher Reeve. Yeah. It's the fact that they tried to do the same thing with the, like, wax figures with the Chronicle and make them yeah. this weird, distorted CGI wax and figure I hated version. That. I hated that. That part, I really disliked. Because yeah. it looked ugly, number one. But then, number two, there's all those, like, ethical issues of bringing back people that are dead like christopher reed yeah. and having them like their likeness do things that they never actually did and just have that for a random film that they couldn't ever sign off on or wanted to be a part of or even knew about yeah so that's the part that i it should have been like older clips like what they did in across the spider-verse with andrew garfield and toby mcguire that's what i'm saying they should have just had a clip of like him just doing the chest thing like opening up the button down so i don't know why they 
didn't decide to do that. But that's the part for me that made this not work in the slightest. But again, conceptually, it's a multiverse movie. I mean, it's obligatory. Again, Across the Spiders did the same thing. They threw in all these other things. They had yeah, like it was five taste. seconds on. Yeah, you're saying that, though, because you like that movie overall, generally. If they had done, say, no Nick Cage, say it's just literally they just had Chris or Reeve, a yeah. clip from the original Superman, would you have been fine with it? Yeah, absolutely. God's Honest Truth, you'd say God's you'd Honest like, Truth. You know, they work. Yes. Nice. I really would have. I don't have a problem it, with multiverse stuff. I don't have a problem with multiverse stuff. I have a problem with the way they did it. And I also don't like the inclusion of Nicolas Cage in that part <laughs> of the movie. If he had been, sure. if they had like started leaning more into multiverse stuff earlier in the movie and they threw him in for like a comedic bit and it was really Nicolas Cage instead of a CGI Nicolas Cage, that would have been fine. Right. Like, like throwing Donald Glover into Across the Spider-Verse. It was actually Donald Glover. He was in a Prowler suit. He made a joke and it wasn't like at the emotional climax of the film. Right. That's fine. But at the emotional climax of this movie, they're throwing in a CGI Nick Cage in a Superman suit that the majority of the people watching this movie will not get that reference. Right. And they're just going to say, why is there a The majority of people wouldn't get the Donald Glover reference either. Like, there's a whole lot That's behind fine, that. Because, it, because it's not at the emotional point of the movie. That's fine. This also people don't is understand, not the emotional it's fine. climax of the movie, though. This is them it's just the saying, like... It's the end of the fucking movie. It's the end. And then it's Barry the kills himself. Climax. Jesus Christ. That would it's, be it's five after... minutes before the emotional climax, Dylan. Get it right. It's still like the, the climax of the, the emotional movie. climax is clearly Barry and his mom. And then the, it is, like, it is still climax like the climax is of the Barry movie. getting killed by older Barry. I agree with you that it's like, yes, yeah, the climax thing, but what does it matter if Nick Cage shows up here or some other point in the film? Like you it's them it took me out of it. It took me out of it. The worlds are trying to pay in. attention. I was so this is to how they pay attention to this point of the story, and it just took me out of it. I like blurted out laughing in the theater at what was supposed to be a very serious moment. Again, I don't think that was though. Like that particular having Nick Cage was not them trying to be like, oh, this is your, this was them being like, here's a fun fan service thing that people will try and clap at. That's what they wanted for that moment. They were saying, yeah, but I wasn't, moment. I would not have clapped at that. I would have fucking laughed, which I did because it was fucking stupid. Well, then that's great. Then you got a certain reaction out of it. Other people would have laughed too, or they would have found it funny, or they would have clapped. Nobody would that's have clapped. I'm because sure there was some theater. People would have clapped in some theater, I bet. If more than three one people went going, on opening weekends, someone would have done it. Yes, what are you talking about? Have you not seen any of the reactions to like any major multiverse thing before this? We'll, we'll never know because nobody saw the fucking movie anyway. That's what I'm saying. There's a recording out there, I guarantee you, of someone recording in the opening night thing. And yeah, it's going to be one guy Nick clapping Cage. and everyone going, you. why is that Nick Cage? Why is Nick someone Cage will... Superman? That doesn't make any fucking sense. None of us know why Nick Cage would be Superman. Also, is he CGI? Because he's not dead. Why is he just CGI? <laughs> exactly. That would be what people would be uh, stuck on. They would but... be saying that out loud in unison in the theater. All, anyway, the point is, the whether you clap or not at it, the whole point of that is just to throw in some fan service that they wanted to do it's the wrong moment for fan service in the movie it is the wrong moment for that kind of fan service for that kind of jokey fan service is it though yes because it's a fucking joke the rest <laughs> of them where it's like christopher reeve or it's the the older barry or like the older batman from like from like in the previous century those are fine fan services because they're referencing real things that people have seen that people understand and they're combining those worlds together and it's fine but Fucking Nick Cage, who was never in an actual Superman movie, who has one test screening of him in the outfit that very few people even fucking know about, who has that much fucking screen time at this important point in the movie that isn't even actually fucking Nick Cage, it's a CGI Nick Cage, <laughs> takes me completely out of it, takes everybody completely out of it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just stupid, Ryan. It's just fucking stupid. 
I mean, again, you're saying that I'm saying it does not detract from the overall thing yes, there that they're doing, does. which is the Elseworlds are coming in. You literally just said not everyone's going to understand the Nick Cage thing. So people that don't recognize it being Nick Cage, number one, are just going to see, oh, this is another instance of a Superman. People probably didn't recognize George Reeves's Superman. But then either. everybody's going to go, Helen when did Slater? Nick Cage play Superman? The Jay Garrick Flash character. People aren't going to be that stuck up on it. But if you do know and you see Nick Cage and it's like, oh, a quick moment, you're like, oh, ha, that's funny. It's the same deal of like when Christopher Reeve shows up too. You're supposed to feel elated in that moment. You can feel surprise or like have some sort of comedic response to Nick Cage coming in too. Dude, it None of those been things detract like... from the overall thing, which is, oh, these are just fun cameos. Like, you know, this is the moment for the cameos. It's not detracting from the emotional beat because later Bro, they it, it would have been like it would have been like at the it would have been like at the very end of No Way Home. When Tom Holland is trying to stab Willem Dafoe with the glider, and Tom and uh, Tobey Maguire is stopping him from doing it, and then all of a sudden, bam! Tobey Maguire is knocked down, and it's Paul Giamatti as the Rhino from Amazing Spider-Man. Just came out of nowhere. You really think that makes fucking sense? No, but you included it because it's fan service. It's a fucking joke. Yeah, that is not the exact same point in time that that would happen. No, it would not. They were literally having the argument. It was like Barry 1 and Barry 2 at that point. They were having the argument. Actually, you can't remember whether Flash Monster was there or not. Yes, but it, it was. wasn't like when he was there threatening to stab the guy in it. They were having the argument of like, oh, look at what we're doing. The worlds are crashing in. So here are all these things showcasing that the world is crashing in. You know what it's exactly like? It's exactly like in No Way Home when they started having all those images of the world and other worlds coming in through the sky. And then you saw the freaking outline of Rhino in the sky. That's the exact comparison point they did that imagine if instead of the point where it's a cameo carousel where they just show it but it's not taking away from the emotional climax because they didn't do that when toby was stabbed they didn't do that instead of the outline imagine if instead imagine if instead of the outline of the rhino it was a long close-up on paul giamatti and he gets a long paragraph to speak about but it's not actually paul giamatti he's cgi and he gets a whole line and it takes a whole 15 seconds for him to get through it and it just takes you completely fucking out of it if they did a silhouette of like a long-haired superman i would understand that they were referencing nick cage that's fine. If they had included real Nick Cage, Nick Cage, and had him give like a little one line or something, or put him in earlier in the movie, that would have been fine. This is not actually Nick Cage. It's a CGI Nick Cage. He's still alive. It's so stupid, Ryan. I agree. That. I don't understand what the thing was. I, there were some reports, though. I don't know if they said they had filmed something with Nick Cage. So I don't know if like they did just go back and like use the test footage and then do a CGI model from that, or if they did bring in Nick Cage like sometime within the past year, but then they just did the de-aging thing and then still made the CGI model so it matches the rest of the wax figures. I'm not actually sure about that. But either way, I agree with you. They shouldn't have done the CGI Nick Cage. Just have the regular Nick Cage. Just have him just, be there doing that. I'm just I so agree. fucking sick of like fan service multiverse shit. Like I'm getting tired of it. I mean... I'm getting tired of it. That's fair. It's a complaint you can have. I'm just saying this does nothing that different from what Across the Spider-Verse just did and what No Way Home did and all these other multiverse things have done. My difference for Across the Spider-Verse <laughs> is that the movie as a whole is fucking good. So they can well, throw that's in... That's what I'm saying. So you give it a pass because you're like, Correct. I like the rest of it. So I'm going to... give. I will give little mindless like, references. Hang on, hang on, hang on now, hang on now, hang on now. I will give a movie little passes on like fan service references if it's a fucking good movie. I'm not going to do it if it's a shitty fucking movie. Like this is a shitty fucking movie. No Way Home had a really bad plot. So I don't like it when they do little references like the rhino in the cloud. Or I don't like it when they do little references like Nick Cage being in the movie for no fucking reason. <laughs> I think it's stupid. I think it's beyond sure. stupid. Because you're okay. going to put such little effort into putting a good story together. But then put pain in the ass and CGIing Nick Cage 
for fucking 30 fucking seconds to fight a spider monster. Sure. Again, I think, I mean, making a good movie in general is difficult. It's very rare that that actually happens. So when you Correct. give the extra, extra burden of like, how dare you do this multiverse thing in your multiverse movie and then not deliver a good movie? It's like there's so many other movies that also fail to be a good so movie, are but you they don't do the I multiverse. Have to be satisfied with the fan service? I have to be no, satisfied. No, I'm just saying be that? consistent with I the fact not... that you're harping on this as a huge negative, but it's as you it pointed out, it's negative. just because the rest of the film isn't good that you don't Correct. like it as much. So you harp on this point. But Absolutely. What is the problem? Across with that? the Spider-Verse did the same thing, and you give those a pass because you like the overall movie. So it's not yes. the fact that they included a cameo. It's the fact that you just don't like the whole movie, and therefore you're going to nitpick every little thing, including the little cameos. So I'm, that's no, I'm going to nitpick the cameo because they put more effort into that than the whole fucking movie in general. Did they put more effort though in that cameo? Do you really think that's why the, the case? Why the fuck? Why the dude? Why would I? Why? 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 Why, Ryan? Why? <laughs> you're annoying the fuck out of me. Okay, you're annoying the absolute fuck out of me. It's a stupid reference. It's at a shitty point in the movie. It doesn't even look good. It doesn't even make sense to the majority of people watching the movie. And the movie as a whole is not good on top of it. Sure. So why should I not comment on it? Why should I not criticize it? The last point that you said is the main motivation for you harping on this point. Even though, again, conceptually, the idea of inputting cameo in a multiversal movie. Huh? Can it not be both? Can I not criticize the cameo specifically? My harp on the, the cameo is not that it is a, just a mindless reference. It is that it's fucking Nick Cage who was never actually Superman. Okay? Which is sure. dumb as fuck. I mean, to the majority okay. of people watching this movie. And if my, my other problem was the placement of the cameo. Was at a very critical point that was supposed to be serious and dramatic, and it's a fucking joke. It, I, I disagree with whether or not this was supposed to be that dramatic. I think it was very clear when we had worlds coming in that were literally doing a clip show from like the Oscars moving around that we were entering the phase of fan service cameo time. And so that we were it taking a pause from the drama of the story for a bit. It was still supposed to be taken. What are you talking about? The whole weight of the fucking story is the multiverse crashing into each other. That's exactly. the point. I agree with that. But what was inside of each of those Elseworlds things that were crashing into it doesn't negate the fact that they're crashing in the whole point of like, Oh, the drama here, the conflict happening of, the danger of all this stuff crashing in and destroying our universe. That is irrespective of what is included within those things. They could have had Nick Cage. They could have had Brandon Routh. They could have had the one from Smallville. Regardless, whoever it was, that doesn't change that whatever this world is that Nick Cage is in is crashing down. We know that's happening. They're just using these cameos like the Chris Reeve thing, the Nick Cage thing, the Jay Garrick thing. They're just zooming in on those. So you can get your fan service cameo moment, but it doesn't, Make us forget. How is that not a negative? When they zoom in on the planet, how is that not a negative? That it's coming, that it's going to crash down. Like the how is that not a negative? This world's coming in. How is that not a negative? Based on what the content of that else world is. How is that not a negative? That we're zooming in on these worlds for like two, like a minute, for a full minute to look at these characters that aren't even the real people. They're just CGI characters of them. How is that not a negative? How does that not take away from the story? How does it not do? How does, how does it add to anything other than fan service? Does it? It doesn't. How is that not a criticism I can make? I'm saying it is not too dissimilar from, and your point, I guess, is that it's like the climax of the film, so that's what makes it horrible. But I'm saying, like, when they pause here to zoom in on that stuff, like, clearly it is a fan service moment. But every multiversal thing does that. The you're multiversal things that I like, the multiversal but... things that I like include the actual actors that played them, or the actual scenes that they were in in the movie that they're making references to, 
and they tie them into the story in some way or another. In Across the Spider-Verse, all the Spider-Man references are taking place within the Spider-HQ. So it ties into the story of you're seeing all of these Spider-Men from different histories. And yes, you're getting your fan service, but you're also enjoying the fact that all of these characters that you've seen before are part of this big multiversal HQ that Miles is walking through. That is the entertainment value of it. I have no entertainment value in seeing CGI models of actors that are either dead or just declined to participate or didn't have any involvement whatsoever just showing up out of nowhere in the movie to give it some kind of emotional weight that it doesn't. That's sure, what that's I care fair, about. but I'm saying... They it's not had the same, same intention. It's the entertainment the value intention attempt maybe. was the same. Intention maybe, but, but follow it through. It just not. doesn't work for you, so that's fine. But you're acting like again, like them deciding to do this is a travesty. When they did the At same thing with the, the Spider Man thing, and they had the clip show of the canon events and showing us the Andrew Garfield one and all of that. This is that same thing. It just yes, was a it different tied approach, the plot. and it didn't work as well. This also ties into the plot. That's saying that here are the Elseworlds that are crashing in, and we just get a glimpse of some of those Elseworlds. But it's They're not saying, the real events. It's just CGI character events. models. Again, I agree. Not the decision I would have made if I was doing it, but it doesn't change the fact that, like, oh, if we're going to do a multiversal thing, I again, think if they were just purely actors, it would have been too fine. Picky. I think you're being way you're too picky. picky. To what do you mean? You are finding the thinnest lines to compare these things together. They are no. very different in terms Literally, of and follow through. Every multiverse does different. a cameo. Every yeah, multiverse film does the cameo. So I'm yeah, so why is it so cameos. Of course they atrocious were going to that they cameos? Did. I'm not appalled at the cameos. I'm appalled at the specific Nicolas Cage reference at this point in the movie that was done poorly. Right. That was my you were intention saying in the first place. That it took place at the emotional climax, which I would disagree with, and that it undercut everything. This was the that climax was of the whole the movie, scene, and I wouldn't say that it does that. I'd say it happens right before we see. The big climax of him stabbing the thing and them having that final confrontation. It still takes me out of it. Are you saying that as soon as it cuts away from Nicolas Cage, I'm brought back into it? No. I'm thinking about why the fuck Nick Cage was sitting there. I'm thinking about it for the next five minutes, and I'm not paying attention to the fucking story. Yes, you, that happens. I'm saying in general, though, this may have not happened. Someone who's watching Cross Spider-Verse, maybe they got taken out of Andrew Garfield. Maybe they never watched the Amazing Spider-Man films. Maybe they don't like that one. So maybe they got taken out for a little while during that thing. And then you're going to say, oh, it wasn't I doubt it. Sure, that's fair. I agree. I'm because just saying. Because they all know Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. The they all know the reference that's being making, made, and they all understand how it implies, it like, works into the story. And I'm saying this one also, like, what other Nobody time would they have Nick Cage is there? Nobody knows why sorts. Nick Cage no, is CGI. Nobody knows why these worlds are piling into each other or the effect these, that that's going to have. Of these alternate timelines, them crashing in, what other time in the film would it have happened? That's what I'm saying. Like, this made this was reasonable for it. Like, Spider HQ, reasonable time to have the carousel when he's explaining he can have been. For this I'm not film, saying when this we is an unreasonable time to put time. in multiverse references. This is a okay. perfect time to put in multiverse references. Nicholas Cage is not that person to be in there. So it's not the timing. It's just Nick Cage. You don't Nick want Cage. Nick Cage to fulfill his dream of being Superman. <laughs> it's Nicholas Cage in this timing, and he didn't fulfill his role of playing Superman. He was in the fucking movie. We will need to find out whether or not he actually came in to film anything for The Flash. I th and then they just <laughs> painted over him with CGI? Is that really starring in a movie? Which one would be worse if they said, yeah, Nick, come in and we'll we'll shoot something. And then they just CGI'd him afterwards. Or if he just got a message from WB and they were like, hey, can we use your likeness? Can we just CGI? And he's like, sure, whatever. Let's move on. Which can one we just would be move worse? on? It's time to move on. We've been talking about this for 20 minutes. It's time to fucking move on. Let's move right. on to after that climax in the movie, to the emotional climax in the movie, when Barry confronts his mother and says goodbye and accepts her death. I thought that was well done. I did too. I thought it okay. was emotionally affecting. Agreed. Let's move on moving. to the very end of the movie, where he gets back to his timeline and says, fuck it, I'm going to do the exact opposite of the lesson I just learned and mess with the timeline anyway, and then gets his father out of jail. 
Yeah, that was. Wild. I thought that was stupid. I don't know why they did that. They, he that like learned his lesson, then immediately said, "But what if I tried this other thing?" But then I guess they're like, "Ah, it works out." And then it works out. Oh, not really though, because now Batman's George Clooney. Exactly. Here's the funny thing about that though: when he stepped out of the vehicle, because we knew it was going to be obviously not uh, Ben Affleck. We ben were Affleck, like, "Oh, who's yeah. going to be?" So when I it was George was Clooney. I laughed for like a split second because I thought they did the same thing as Nick Cage of like, oh, it's just some guy that like maybe at one point would have played Batman or could have fit that role, but he never got to do it. And then I remembered, oh, wait, George Clooney didn't play Batman at some point. So that was pretty funny. That's very funny. (laughs) But yeah, so what'd you think of uh, seeing Mr. Clooney show up here? I thought it was stupid. (laughs) Unless... He's the DC's Batman from now until the end. I don't think that's what they're going to do. It's not. Especially since the Flash flopped. That would be so funny. It would be so funny George Clooney for the rest. They were playing around with it because they definitely, you could tell this was like reshot many times. Because at one point it was going to be Keaton showing like, oh, the the timeline changed, but now it's like the Keaton Batman. And then they were going to do Batgirl, which would be like a Batman Beyond type story. So that Batgirl Mm -hmm. could become the main DC EU bat figure. So yeah. I think that was at one point just, the plan. They just did a stupid George Clooney reference instead. And then now, yeah, because they were like, well, that's not going to happen. We're going to reset it anyway. We don't want to have Clooney as like the future Batman. So we'll just throw in another random cameo here. Yeah. So, yeah. It made me laugh, but I thought it was stupid. I agree, but it did make me laugh too. I thought it was funny seeing. Okay, is there anything else we want to talk about with this stupid fucking movie? Uh, just a postcard scene with Aquaman. Didn't even this, watch it. You didn't watch it? They said, I, Barry. Dude. I Googled it. I Googled what it was because I was sitting in the theater watching the credits. I was like, I'm getting bored. I looked at what it was. I saw what it was. I said, I don't care about watching that. I just left the theater. <laughs> but yeah, it's him saying to Aquaman, like, oh, I went to all these different universes and you were the same in every one, implying that Jason Momoa will continue to be Aquaman in James Gunn's DCU, which I think is yeah. so stupid. Like, either reset it or don't. Like, you can't have it both yeah. ways. And this whole idea of like, oh, some people look different in every universe, but some people look the same. So dumb. Just get rid of him. Do it yeah. like everyone else. You can't keep him. You can't keep Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman or whatever. You're going to get rid of the rest of them. Just cut the whole thing loose. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, start, start from scratch. Other final thoughts. So I did want to point out just random nitpicks. The monkey, the monkey stuffed animal, did not look like a monkey at all. For the first like Come hour, on, I was bro. like, that's a bear. Like, it looked like a bear I have, I had two, still have them somewhere. Monkey stuffed animals that look like monkeys. This one does not look like a monkey. Let's let's point out the fact that that stuffed animal monkey at the time we see it is probably like 15 years old. Very true too. It's an old stuffed animal. And also it is an older stuffed animal when they made stuffed animals slightly lower quality and well, not lower quality, but slightly less accurate, (laughs) less cartoonish, more realistic. I think it was fine. It was a monkey. I just want to point that out. I was like, they kept saying monkey, and I was like, is that a monkey? Like, I I don't think that is, but okay, that's yeah. a monkey. Uh, and then also, I just thought it's funny the references to the Rock, which now in context of like the Flash doing worse than Black Adam, I'm sure Dwayne Johnson's very happy about how things went, yeah. um, where he did in fact change the hierarchy of the DC universe. Indeed. Um, so <sighs> they he said jabroni at one point, Barry did, mm-hmm. and then they mentioned, oh, there's all these people we're saving, like toddlers and nurses and entertainment wrestlers and i was like what are they doing here so those are just funny little items that i picked out anything else that you would like to say to round out our discussion i didn't like it (laughs) all right so how many chrono bowls out of five are you gonna give two two out of five gotcha i'm giving it a 3.5 
Chrono Bowls. Way too fucking high. <laughs> Chrono yeah. Bowls. Sounds like a David Cronenberg movie. <laughs> it does. It does. It's a cool name. About time traveling bowls. Chrono Bowl. I like it. This All was right. a fun discussion. We got. This was a discussion. <laughs> I think it was fun for me. You seemed like you got really heated there about Nick Cage. No, it's okay. I like getting heated. It's more. I'd rather be heated than talk about something I don't care about. And I definitely right. was clearly passionate about the fact that Nicolas Cage showing up was stupid. Yeah, I was glad to hear once you said you're like you hated this film. I was like, nice. This will be this will be a discussion. For sure. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. That was fun. I had a good time. This this will probably be how the rest of the the superhero movies go from now on in these well, in these discussions. Whenever we talk I think about this superhero movie, this might be the last superhero film at least for quite some time. Maybe. Thank like Deadpool God. 3 or something, but I don't think there's any other ones that we're going to cover unless it's Thank a major release. fucking God. <laughs> Thank fucking God. Last year, we literally had like 10 episodes on superhero movies, and I was dying. I was dying, everybody. I fucking was sick of them. I had to go see all of them. Now I can just skip them. You'll want to talk about Blue Beetle, I'm sure. I'll Maybe, talk about but Blue I mean, we'll see if anything else comes up in the schedule for that. I'll probably, I'll talk about Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle looks fun. The rest of them, no, no Marvel movies. I'm fucking sick of them. I'm fucking gotcha. sick of them. Anyway, that's all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. If you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to, and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.